All right. Good morning, everybody. You already said good morning to me once before, but it's just I'm so used to saying good morning when I get up here. I do want to say howdy to everybody that's online. I know there's some of you who we still miss seeing your face and some of you who are traveling or just gone. So welcome online and in person, everybody. Um, it's good to see everyone that is here. Thank you for being here. Really, really appreciate it. All right. So this morning... I'm going to continue this theme that we've been talking about. Does everybody remember what it is? All of February, I've been focused on something. Love. And, I mean, hopefully you you caught it last week. It was Valentine's Day, so that was really important for some of you to remember. But last week was Valentine's Day, and I think because of that, culturally, that's why we uh, make February the month of love, right? It's kind of, I guess, a little marketing stunt, but... Either way, it works for me, and it gave me a good topic for the whole month of February to talk about. So we're going to continue talking about love till the end of February. Um, First week, I talked about love. What is love? And I tried my very best to describe a very complicated description of what love is. And, And to simplify it too much, God is love, right? To love like God in the way that he sent his son sacrificially and purposely would be the best description of love we could ever have. And so part of our goal is to always try and love like God, just like we're trying to be like Christ. Always try and love like God. And then last week I talked about, well, how can we start applying that to our lives? So we talked about loving our neighbor, and I gave you seven different ways that we can try and practice loving our neighbor, and that all started with making sure we love ourselves first, because we are uniquely created by God. So this week, I'm going to talk about loving our enemies. It's probably what comes along a very next after you think, well, what did Jesus say about loving people? He said some really hard ones. Loving your neighbors is okay. Loving your enemies is really, really hard. Really, really hard. So I'm going to give or break down the scriptures he talks about mainly today. But I think we all want to work towards this. Christ talked about it, and he shared in Matthew and in Luke, that we are to love our neighbors. The scripture I had Larry read for our opening scripture was Matthew 5, uh, two verses was 43 through 44. Let's read it again. It says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's in Matthew chapter 5. So, I invite you to put a bookmark there in Matthew chapter 5, or a hand, or a fold, or whatever you like to do. Um, And then also put a hand or a fold in Luke chapter 6. These are the two places where Jesus um, is speaking about loving your enemies. And so put hands there. We're going to be looking at them verse by verse quite a bit here today. So much so that I just printed them both off on a piece of paper so I didn't have to hold anything open. All right, so Luke chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 5. Let's open up to the Luke chapter 6 side of it, and let's read this whole uh, piece of scripture together that I put up on chapter 6, 27 through 36. 27 through 36. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV. I invite you to read along in your version. Verse 27 starts, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. Verse 29. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. 
And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish others would do you, do so to them. Verse 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those that love them. And if you do good to those that do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if I lend to those who you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So we're going to be in these two places, Matthew 5 and Luke 6. And these are um, probably two of Jesus' most famous sermons, if you ask us humans. Um, We have in Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, and Luke, the Sermon on the Plain, and that's what we called them, right? But probably famous Jesus sermons from his ministry here on earth. And in both of those, probably in our eyes, most famous sermons, Jesus talks about loving your enemies. In both of those, both in Uh, Luke and Matthew, he talks about loving your enemies. So, as Christians today, what are we to do? (laughs) Well, as, as Christians, we follow the Word of God and we follow Jesus. And let me tell you, this is the Word of God and it's Jesus. So I think we are to take and put into practice exactly what Jesus said here. I think we ought to be loving our enemies. So that's the end of the sermon. I have a (laughs) <laughs> the, the hard part is, even though we have all of this scripture talking about loving our enemies, it doesn't get any easier. And I'm going to tell you right now, loving your neighbor, I had seven simple steps. I don't have simple steps for loving your enemies. I'm going to break down these scriptures here, but it just doesn't make it any easier in my brain. Jesus talks in both Matthew and Luke And he says why we should love our enemies, and we'll talk about that here in a second. He says how we can love our enemies in this scripture. But even after studying this whole thing out to tell tell you guys today, I'm just still like, that's really hard. So, it's still going to be hard. But, But let's talk about it. So let's first start, who is our enemy? Who is our enemy when we need to love them? Well, Jesus says it in a few different ways here in both accounts, um, Luke and Matthew. And I found it really interesting. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 and 45 say something completely different in the Old King James. So I'm going to reference the Old King James a couple of times here because it's much more elaborate. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 has more of what Luke says as well in the Old King James and only that version. So interesting. But the first thing I can see here that why or who our enemy is, is anyone who curses you. Anyone who curses you. Luke chapter 6 verse 28 says, bless those that curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Bless those that curse you. And then again in the old 
King James of Matthew 5.44. It says, But I say unto you, love your enemies and bless them that curse you. So the old King James has almost exactly the same as Luke. Anyone who curses us can be our enemy. Looking at the Greek word here, because we don't use the word curses very often, we use it as a different thing. <laughs> we use it as our own language, right? But when somebody curses you, what does that mean? Well, it, it's, it's insulting. It's threatening you with their words and insulting you with the words. So when anyone threatens or insults you, they can definitely be your enemy. I think we'd agree with that. So when somebody comes at us in some way verbally, well, we can define that as our enemy. These ones are pretty easy. I don't think we have a hard time defining our enemy. Who else is someone who's our enemy? Well, the scriptures here say anyone who hates us. Luke 6.27 says, Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Verse 44 in Matthew uh, chapter 5 out of the King James says, do good to them who hate you. So it's right there in both versions. And it doesn't say why they hate you. <laughs> it just says those who hate you. So let me redefine this and say, I don't care what the reason is. <laughs> it happens a lot. They can despise you or hate you or dislike you for any reason. Jesus doesn't get into that. But what he does say is, if anyone hates you, they can be your enemy. So whether that's for political, racial, religious, personal conviction reasons, if they choose to hate you, they can be your enemy. So as Christians, we just deal with that. Is that right? Well, this John verse right here, John 15, really encourages me when I'm talking about those who hate us. Because we can all think of somebody. We can all think of something that somebody hates us for because we disagree. right? But this verse right here in John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, gives me hope. Because it shares that it's okay that we're disliked. I struggle with this one. John 15, 18 and 19. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but, chose, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So, when I'm struggling with people that dislike me or hate me, I'm kind of a people pleaser sometimes. I have to think about this a little bit. I might be hated because I'm not a part of the world. Christ chose me out of the world, and they hated him. We know they hated him. So why is it so bad for me to be hated? I can be disliked a little bit. So who's someone who's your enemy? Someone who uh, hates you? Someone who threatens you or curses you is the word we used? and someone who abuses you. Verse 28 of Luke says, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. Verse 44 of Matthew 5 says, Pray for them that, or in the Old King James says, which they despitefully use you. Good word for abusing. Despitefully use you. So, who can be our enemy? Well, Someone who abuses or treats you despitefully or maybe even falsely accuses you or forces you to do things, that's all kind of abuse. I would say that's fair. And it comes in so many different forms. We think automatically physical, because that's our culture, right? We think physical abuse right away, but that's not necessarily always the case. We have so many different... There's, 
verbal, they're psychological. There's, we have this great tool called the internet, which has opened up so many different ways to abuse people. So abuse can come in so many different factors. And that's all right. Jesus himself had to deal with abuse. Again, the world hated him before, so what's wrong with us being abused a little bit? Matthew chapter 27, verses 27 through 30. This is the story of Jesus, and I just want you to listen to this and tell me if Jesus was abused. 27, 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put him in a scarlet robe, twisting together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him, and they struck him with the reed on his head. What kind of abuse was that? Physical? Emotional? Verbal? Mental? They gave him it all. They wanted to abuse him. So who's someone that uh, can be your enemy? Abusers. Nothing wrong with that. Last one I have, or no, two more, sorry. Who else can be an abuser of you? Or who else can be an enemy? Well, anyone who persecutes you. Persecute's a hard word for us today. We don't live in a country where we physically get uh, beaten or killed for our Christianity. But what is persecuting? Well, when I looked online, I, I kind of combine a few definitions, and I think it's defined best as Persistent harassing or hostility towards someone because of their beliefs. Harassing because of beliefs. Not necessarily religious, just any point, right? Harassing someone, persecuting them because of their beliefs. So again, we don't have to go right to the physical persecution. Uh, We can think of all of these other ways that we can be persecuted. And think of the ways that Christians face hard times on a regular basis. It still happens today. And that's all right. We can, we can deal with persecution, even if it does happen today. So, whether you define persecution as the physical abuse, or you define it as maybe people just mocking you because you're a Christian, or anything along that line, we can still face persecution sometimes today. But think about it. It's nothing at all like the early Christians faced today. Thank goodness. Thank goodness it's nothing at all what the early Christians faced because what they faced was persecution from the religious people. <laughs> they, they were not going to fit into the Jewish mold because they were past that. And so think of what Paul did on behalf of the Jewish council. I mean, Paul himself went and killed Christians. His name was Saul at this time, by the way. Saul went and killed Christians, drug them through the streets, made them say, turn away from God, and then still killed them. That was his job. He got paid to do it. That was the persecution they faced. But God still used that. We know Saul turned into Paul and actually became a great teacher on behalf of Jesus. But that's what persecution can look like. And even if it's not to that degree, I think we can still face it a little bit today. I think we can still face it. All right. So who else is our enemy? This is probably the hardest one, the last one I put up here. Who's our enemy? Anyone we make our enemy. 
We are really good at that today. That's one of our favorite things. We live in a culture that thrives on making enemies. We encourage division of humans. That's our culture right now. Uh, you don't have to look very far to see that. And sadly, uh, Christians are not exempt from this. Okay? We still live in the same culture as everyone else, so we're not exempt from division. We're not exempt from making enemies and hating each other. Um, <laughs> sometimes our religion, our Christianity, actually causes more of it, sadly. But what are we to do with that? Well, we can make enemies, and we're going to have to deal with them. Or, or, what I encourage is that we try to free ourselves from making enemies and practice loving them before they're even our enemies. So we'll, we'll talk about how to love our enemies a little bit, but try and love them before enemies have even been drawn. Lines in the sand before you are actually enemies. Try and do that. Paul talks in Romans chapter 12 about how we are to live with other people. He's talking to the Christians, right? We're reading Romans at the cla in class time. He's talking to Christians. And he's saying, how should we live as Christians with other people? So in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 14 is where I'm going to pick up. Paul writes and says, bless those who persecute you. Well, we just talked about them. Bless those and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We read that last week. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight and repay no evil with evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil with evil, but evil with good. So what are we to do before we even create enemies? Good to those people, right? So before we even get to that point, let's choose not to make enemies. It's very, very countercultural. Very, very countercultural. So we know who our enemy is. I don't think that's that hard to define. I just gave you a bunch of scriptures. But I think you know who your enemy is usually. Why should we love our enemy? I love our enemy. Well, just in these Matthew chapter 5 and Luke chapter 6, we have it. Matthew chapter 5 in verse 45 says, So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. So why love our enemy? Well, to be like God. To be more like God. Uh, Matthew says, to be sons of our Father in heaven. And then in verse 48, you might be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, that sounds like trying to be like God. Luke 6, verse 35 says, Love your enemies, do good, and lend nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. So why love our enemy? To be like God. I think that's enough of a reason right there. Trying to be like Christ every day. Try and be like God. Love your enemies. Why love our enemies? Also to not be like sinners. Uh, verse 32 in Luke. We read it, but let me read it again. All the way through 33. 
If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those that do good to you, what benefits of that is that to you? For even sinners will do the same. Even sinners will love those who are easy to love. That's the Herald version, right? Even sinners will love those who love them back. It's easy to not get in a fight with somebody who's not fighting with you. It's boring. It's easy to love those who love you. That's what sinners do. But what does God do? What do Christians do? Well, we love even those who want to fight us, even those who are our enemies, even those who hate us, persecute us, or in Jesus' case, spit on them. So we love to not be like everyone else, to not just love those who love us. Why should we love our enemy? Overcome evil. We should love our enemy to overcome evil. Uh, Romans chapter 12, we read it already, but verse 21 says, Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. So basically, Paul is saying here, you can't beat evil by being evil. You can't fight with the same thing. You won't overcome this one. There's only one way to get over evil and to get past it and be bigger. It's good. So overcome evil with good. And I'm going to rephrase that and say, We overcome evil with loving our enemy. That's good. That's why I think we should love our enemy. I think there's plenty of good reasons there. You could probably pick one and be enough. Start with the first one, to be like God. It's enough. All right, so how do we do it? And this is the part that I struggle with still to this moment. How do we love our enemies? It's still hard. (laughs) Even though I put four things you can do up there, oh, it's still hard. So how can we love our enemies? Well, by blessing them. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. I think in the King James here. It says, bless. Then in Romans 12, 14, it says, bless those who persecute you. And then in 1 Peter, Peter also talks about it in 1 Peter 3, 9. He talks about blessing those who hate you. So we've read it all a bunch of times here in Matthew 5 and 6, but it's there. It says, bless those. It's verse 28 in Luke 6. Bless those who curse you. So what does blessing look like? (laughs) That's hard. It really looks like taking care of and going above and beyond what you would do for someone normally. And these are our enemies. So it's still hard. But bless them. Go above and beyond and take care of their needs and desires. Bless them. And think highly of them. It ties right into the second one, which I think is um, outlined right here. It says, by doing good to them. Verse 27 of Luke says, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you. So if you bless them, you go above and beyond. You also stay at the bottom level here and just do good to them. Don't be spiteful, but again, take care of them. It's interesting, we read this in the New Testament. We read it from Jesus, and we're like, wow, that's revolutionary. Jesus is saying some new things that have never been said before. It's not true. God's been saying this uh, throughout all of his scripture. It's crazy. I went all the way back to Exodus. Exodus 23, I think it's up there, right? Exodus 23, 4, and 5. And God was saying this then. 
in this dark ages of the Old Testament, he's saying, uh, be good to people. Verse 4 and 5 of 23 of Exodus. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey and it's going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. So, Old Testament talk, what's going on? Well, if you see somebody's animal got loose, be a good person. Take it back. If you see somebody's donkey who's too loaded up and they're not going to get over the hill, take some of that gear and throw it on your donkey. Help them up the hill. Good was still there. Do good to others, even if you hate them and they hate you. That's what Exodus says. It's there all the way back. So this isn't new. It's been in the Old Testament, the New Testament. Jesus is just reminding them what it looks like to love our neighbors, or love our enemies, both. Love our enemies. Something that's cool about these two, blessing and doing good, they can change people's lives. A lot of times, <laughs> Courtney and I were talking about this the other day, um, a lot of times we think we have to slide in our religious Christianity in the first two minutes of talking to someone. This is talking about doing good. So maybe the first two years, you're still working with someone to do good to them. And then they might just be like, why are you so weird? Like, you're over here fixing my car all the time. I'm like, yeah. And then you get to talk about Jesus. It's by doing good and by blessing people that that comes along. That's how you can love your enemy. Sometimes that's really hard. They're still your enemy. All right, how else can we love our enemies? Same as we can love our neighbors. We talked about this one last week. Uh, Praying for them. By praying for them. Jesus said it in verse 44 of Matthew 5. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Verse 28 of Matthew 6, or Luke 6. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. So it's in both one, uh, Luke 6 and Matthew 5. Jesus said it. We talked about it last week for our neighbor, but what's different here? Last week we talked about praying for our neighbors by telling them we're praying for them and doing it in silence, doing it and actually doing it. Well, here, these are your enemies. How easy is it to pray for your enemies? I'm going to say it's really easy to pray the wrong way for your enemies. Dear God, please get somebody out of my life. They are a pain in the butt. They tire me out. They are against me every time. I'm just trying to eat lunch. And they say, that's that preacher guy who preaches baptism only. He doesn't think anybody's going to heaven except him. Ooh, that's my enemy. I'm still going to pray for them, but not in the way, God, please get rid of them. I'm going to pray, God, please help me reach these people. God, please help me love them. That's what we're trying to do. Help me love my enemy. This one's hard. By name, this one's hard. So we should pray for him. Jesus said it. He didn't say it small. He said it big. Then the last thing we should do to love our enemy, actively showing them love. That's what we've been talking about this whole time is steps to actively show love. Praying, blessing, doing good for. But when we think about love, we talked about it last week in 1 Corinthians 13, the book of love. 
Love is active. And it's something we do. It takes steps. So let me read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 again. We read it last week. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. 1 Corinthians 13. Which one of those things just comes easily without any work? I don't think any of them. I think they all take an active showing of love. The default sometimes in my life is not patience. <laughs> it's not being kind. It's, not being, it's more like being rude and ready to go, not patient and kind. The default in my life is not, to be bo- is not to be humble. It really is to be boastful. The default in my life is to insist on my own way. The default in my life is to be irritable sometimes. See, if you go through this whole list, it takes active doing. So, I think I said it last week, if you ever need to figure out how to love people, put this 1 Corinthians 13 in your face, on your phone, on your mirror, I I don't know. And think about, man, how can I actively love these people today? So, why should we love our enemy? To be like God, to not be like sinners, to overcome evil. How do we love our enemy? By blessing them, doing good for them, praying for them, and deciding that I'm going to live out 1 Corinthians 13. Actively show love. So I told you this at the beginning. Sounds really, really hard still. I looked at a lot of scriptures, and Matthew 5 and Luke 6 are really, really good. Read them again on your own. It's Jesus telling how we should love our enemies. But I'm kind of scared about it, because they're still my enemies. And the human side of me doesn't want to love them. The human side of me doesn't want to bless them, or go out of my way to do good for them, or try and do all this 1 Corinthians 13 stuff to them. I just want to get irritated at them. So maybe you guys are really good at this. Maybe it's just Harold. I don't know. Harold might be a little vengeful and want to get back at his enemies. I think it's not just me. Love your enemies. Jesus taught it multiple times. And I think it's even harder than loving our neighbors. But it's something we're called to do. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the center of all 1 Corinthians loveness. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These are the greatest. Oh, these three. But the greatest of these, the greatest, is love. So in your Christian walk, you have faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. Thank you.